Hi, I'm Ibi, and you're listening to Kill the Cat. On this episode, we're looking at Shutter Island, the 2010 thriller directed by Martin Scorsese, based on the book by Dennis Lehane. We'll be taking a look at some of the tools used to pull off the film's final reveal, and what made them so effective. Before we start, I just want to give a big old spoiler warning. We're going to be comparing some twists and reveals from a bunch of other films throughout this episode. So, various degrees of plot spoilers for the following movies. The Village, Get Out, Joker, Doctor Who, specifically Matt Smith's Seasons, the Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts movies, Planet of the Apes, Jessica Jones, A Beautiful Mind, and The Sixth Sense. The following films are also mentioned without any specific spoilers. Arrival, The Good Place, Parasite, Gone Girl, and Fight Club. We also collaborated with Sam and Lizzie from the Do You Reckon We Can Meet Leo podcast for a more casual chat about the movie. A link to the Do You Reckon podcast is in the show notes, so you can check out the episode after you're done here. Now, on with the show. Welcome to this episode of Kill the Cat. We are talking about Shutter Island and how to do a twist. Yeah, so this is the 2010 American neo-noir psychological thriller directed by Martin Scorsese and written by Aleta Caligridis. I think I said that right. Yeah. Sorry. The, He'll correct us when he listens to yeah, this totally. episode. Yeah, totally. The Kiwi accent is uh, famous for butchering things. Based on the book by Dennis Lehane. Amazing. And starring, obviously, the wonderful Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. This movie has like an all-star cast, which is quite fun. Mm. So we've got Mark Ruffalo, we've got Ben Kingsley, Michelle Williams... Emily Mortimer in here. Yeah. So for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, please go watch it and oh, then yeah. come back. We are butchering this movie in terms of spoilers, but the movie is uh, pretty famous for having a big twist at the end. The reveal obviously being that Leonardo DiCaprio's character is in fact a patient on Shutter Island uh, and has been the whole time. There are theories that go into the specifics of that we have our own view uh, that we might go into a bit later but what we actually want to talk about is just what are the things that Martin Scorsese does that build us up to take the twist ending uh, and to make it as effective as it is yeah so we thought we'd talk about some other famous twists and our personal favorites we each did a bit of a top five list mm. so i have plot twists defined here as a radical change in the direction or expected outcome of the plot in a work of fiction All right my top five well like five that i like arrival is one i really loved get out i thought it was probably one of the most effective i've seen especially in the last 10 years uh the good place uh the twist ending of season one doctor who specifically the River Song saga with River Song being Rory and Amy's daughter and the ending for Fight Club where Tyler Durden is the narrator. They are the same person. So if you haven't seen any of those five things, um, apologies. Yeah, maybe we'll chuck some We'll chuck a spoiler warning yeah. right at the start. Ah, oh, I made such a big list and I narrowed it down to these five, even now reconsidering having these five because <laughs> I love my list. Um, but I also had season one of The Good Place. I had Parasite, The Sixth Sense, Gone Girl, and I actually put the Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban as one of mine. Yeah. I know it's not usually reveal like referred to as like a twist ending. It's more of a big mystery and like most mysteries, hopefully you don't guess the reveal. Mm. Um, I mean, Harry Potter, it does that pretty well in a few mm, of the books. Like, they're, they're mystery books. Yeah, even Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone for you 
Americans, like the fact that Quirrell is the one with Voldemort and not Snape. And, like, the book goes really well into, like, how all the things that we thought made it Snape were actually him. Chamber of Secrets, too. Like, it's Ginny is opening the Chamber of Secrets. J.K. Rowling, uh, good at twists sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We will also have a point about that. Uh, So, yeah, those are, like, our top five. There's many great twists out there. Oh, yeah. I love a good twist. I'm not the kind of person who tries to pick twists as I'm watching. I think one of like, um, this wasn't really a twist, but recently at the time of recording, WandaVision, the season finale has aired and there were like so many fan theories. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> uh, but there were so many fan theories and people were like, is it this? Is it this? Is it Mephisto? And I'm like, I don't want to know any of that. I just want the screenwriters and just the directors to, to take me for the ride. Yeah. And when it's a good ride, it pays off really well. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about our reactions to Shutter Island. So I had this spoiled for me before I watched it. So I never got the full experience of like not knowing the ending. Terrible. I know. Okay, listen, someone told me to watch this film. And the way they told me to watch this film was, oh, it's really good. It's about this mental patient who thinks he's a detective. That is not how... mm. (laughs) That's a terrible way to tell someone about a movie with a big twist. Yes. But you got to watch this unspoiled, so yeah, what was your experience? I, it was a bit of an interesting experience because I hadn't seen it until very recently uh, when I watched it for the podcast. But I think we've reached a point with this genre, and I think I've seen so many student films that are trying to be this film that I anticipated within the first probably two scenes. Like once I knew he was going to an island that was a psychiatric facility, I was like oh, he's probably going to become a patient here by the end of this. I think initially I was probably following the line of thought of where he had been brought there to become a patient rather than him having always been there. But yeah, the genre, I think, has reached a point where you just kind of anticipate someone is always living in some delusional psychosis and that's just to be expected now, which is unfortunate for the twist endings. Yeah. But I enjoyed the film. I thought it was really effective. I think even though I kind of knew what was coming, the way it was edited, the way it's shot, the way it's kind of directed and the way the performances come across still makes it really, really interesting. And even when I got to the end of the movie, I was like, I don't know if I believe what the movie's telling me to believe. And like, it probably wasn't till like a good half an hour later after finishing, I was like, okay, no, no, I'm there. I, I'm with you. But still a little bit of me was like, maybe he was brought along and it was a big con and they lied to him. And that, that's one of the great things about this movie is it, mm. it does make you question the whole way. You're like, uh, I, like it's meant to be this, but I still don't know. I do think it's fun. And it's always fun to like speculate. Mm. I'm very firmly in the camp of here's Andrew. <laughs> He was a mental patient and yeah. he chooses to have a lobotomy at the end. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very firmly there. And I think all the supporting evidence for that is there. I've but, also landed there. Yeah, yeah. But I think other theories of like, no, they were drugging him or whatever. Those are fun. I don't mm. believe them, but they're fun. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we quickly just, you touched on it just briefly, but why don't we quickly define the difference between a twist and a reveal? Because there yes. is a difference. So a twist gives you a new perspective on past events. So once you know that Teddy is Andrew, that recontextualizes the entire movie. Hmm. You should be able to pick a twist. Not saying that you definitely do or that you see it coming, but the moment it's like given to you, you should be like, yes, of course. Yeah. A reveal is new information that is probably shocking. You can't have picked it. It might have come out of nowhere. Not always a bad thing. So I had on my list as Kilgrave's 
love confession in Jessica Jones. Mm -hmm. It's, I don't want to kill you, I don't hate you. I love you, Jessica. Reveal. Really good reveal. Really creepy. I also had the worst reveal of all time, which is, I definitely have breast cancer from the room. <laughs> Doesn't, <ugh. laughs> we make a habit of not talking bad about movies. feel like the, room, the room is allowed to be the exception. <laughs> it's a citizen gain of bad movies. So I briefly said that JK Rowling is good at reveals sometimes. She's a good reveal on the page as a screenwriter. Not so much. Yeah. And I think you can really see this in the Fantastic Beasts movie. So so we talked about all those like great twists of like the mysteries in the Harry Potter mm-hmm. ones. Or like the fact that Mad-Eye Moody is actually Barty Crouch in number yeah. four. Like she always has these amazing little twists. The one in Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, is like this secret Dumbledore brother plot. It takes 10 minutes to explain by flashback. Oh, gosh. I had, there was no supporting evidence to back it up. There might have been. I'm not going to admit, I tuned out of a lot of that movie. But that that's, yeah. that's telling. Any movie where you've been given the twist or the reveal, you immediately, as that happens, you go back and you're like, oh, hey, all those things now make sense in a new light. Mm. Uh, and you should have been able to pick up on that as the reveal is happening rather than going, oh, was there proof to show this? I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So that's twist versus reveal. Shutter Island is definitely a twist Mm -hmm. um, because there is so many setups for it. Oh, my gosh. There's so many clues. Uh, Going through this a second time, do we want to just list some of the clues that we have throughout this film? Yeah. Let's go. There's so many and they're so fun. Okay. Very starting scene on the boat. We have the whole line about he feels uneasy on the water. I think it's something like water disagrees with him and he's like, he can't stand to be around it. We meet him, he's vomiting into a toilet because he's surrounded by water. Yeah. The ferry he's on has handcuffs hanging from the roof. You would kind of think, okay, maybe this is just a prisoner transport ship. And it is. uh, Or a patient transport ship. But yeah, it's kind of like re-watching it, you go... Oh, okay. They've probably just taken him off the island, waited a bit, and then brought him back. Yeah. Um, the fact that Chuck had never worked with Teddy before. He refers uh, to Teddy as a legend. Yeah. Um, and on a rewatch, you're like, oh, yeah, because he's a character that Andrew has made up. Yeah. Chuck couldn't handle his gun in the holster. So mm. when they have to hand over their weapons, people constantly pulling rank over US Marshals, which is quite yeah. strange. All the guards are very on edge. Um, you can mm-hmm. see them. They're all ready with their weapons the moment Andrew lands on the island. Yeah. There's a familiarity um, with the where the prisoners are watching him as he enters the prison. They like the- wave to him. There's a woman who does like shh which is what little kids do when they've got a secret. Yeah. I hadn't actually thought about the fact that the gun, like they mentioned how the guards are like really on edge around Teddy and Chuck. Yeah, they're always clutching their weapons. There's a fun one. If you rewatch the scene where they're supposedly looking for Rachel, Mm -hmm. look at the guards. None of them are searching. No, and they point that out. Like they cut to shots of the guards doing nothing. And you're like, why are they not searching? The fact that George was still in the prison, even though he was meant to have gotten out. The trauma of Andrew Teddy's past and the constant flashbacks kind of lean us towards, like, he's got something going on mentally. When he does the interviews with the patients, um, the guy who had killed the nurse and with the woman, just the way 
their acting and their responses to things, especially their responses to his name when he asks mm, about they Andrew. Uh, they suddenly don't know how to react. There's one where like a Dr. Sheen is mentioned and the woman looks at the character we know as Chuck, mm-hmm. who's actually Dr. Sheen. Um, I think one of my favorite ones is that in that interview, there's in the background, there's a guard behind the woman and there's a guard behind Teddy but not behind Chuck. And that's because the two guards are guarding the two patients. That, and then in the scene where he's talking to the guy who killed the nurse, there's a nurse on standby with a needle. Um, But when the guy who killed the nurse gets very, very agitated, the nurse picks it up but doesn't use it on him, and that's because it's not for him. It's in case Teddy acts out. Mm. There's, uh, with Teddy's dreams and nightmares, his wife in those dreams tells him that Andrew is still here. Mm. which it's him that actually kind of led me down a path for a little bit while watching the movie of like oh is there like a paranormal like uh, premonition kind of thing going on with him and that's just you know good like storytelling and leaving good clues of like oh this could be multiple things and I think Mm. that's one of the keys to leaving good clues did you have any others just little things which I really liked they explain the rule of four and that the names are anagrams but also his partner Chuck all sounds like chuckle Mm -hmm. Like laughing, the trickster. And then I think like my favorite, favorite one is Shutter Island is shot her island. (laughs) Yeah. Because they never call it Shutter Island in the movie, I'm pretty sure. Also, I try to read the screenplay for this. I usually do if I can for these episodes. But the only version floating around online, the text is so faded. Oh no. It looks like someone has photocopied it like several times. So unfortunately, until they release a better version, I could not get my hands on the screenplay. That's unfortunate. That is definitely not all the clues. This, no. This movie is layered with them. Just in case like you're listening and like, oh, you missed this really obvious one. I think we could list these for a long, long time. Yeah. And still not say them all. Reflecting on how you do a good twist, I think one of the things that I realized with this movie is that it's really important that your clues not only support the final thesis or the final twist, uh, the final revelation, but they actually also need to support all the red herrings and the distractions in the lead up. And you need to have those red herrings and distractions, right? Because then otherwise people will just lean towards the truth. So in this one, I've got the false conversation with Rachel uh, and the idea that he was brought here to be a new patient, which is what I suspected for a while. The idea that this is a secret government experiment, the idea that they'd been watching Teddy for like 24 months beforehand trying to capture him. All of these things are like alternate versions of the story that actually when we look at the clues and the situations and all the scenes beforehand, they push us to believing these things as they should, but it's only once we get the twist and it recontextualizes it, we look back and we go, oh no, they were all also evidence Mm. for the new side of the story and that's the one that makes more sense. Yeah, there's not like some Nazi experimental plot they go off with to like, they are trying to mislead you, but Mm. like you said, the backup for that plot is also the backup for the real twist. Yeah. So yeah, all this idea of like, he's constantly being given like aspirin and his cigarettes get wet. So they give him cigarettes and his version of like, Rachel was trying to say they're drugging you and that's why your hands are shaking. And the real reason is he's in withdrawal. Yeah. People use that cigarettes and like drink thing as like their main point of evidence for he actually is Teddy. I think. Yeah. I think it was a big one for me. Mm. Like, yeah, as soon as he took 
the aspirin in the first thing. I was like, no, you idiot. They're going to drug you. They're yeah. going to get you. Don't do it. Like it might have been drugs to like suppress some violent tendencies, mm. maybe, because they want him to complete the role play. So maybe it's like just enough. Yeah. Or maybe it was the drugs that he had been on. I, yeah. That's where I land is that, that he would have been on medication long term and they mm. would have kept needing to give him his doses. Yeah, because you can't. That makes sense because you can't suddenly take a patient off. Off of antipsychotics, yeah. no. <laughs> so that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think one of my favourite ones towards the end, even though I knew the twist was coming, this threw me, which is when basically Chuck goes missing. Mm. They kind of imply that like maybe he's dead or maybe they're holding him captive somewhere. Um, and Teddy comes back and the main doctor, who's played by Ben Kingsley, is like, you never had a partner. Which just feels like he's gaslighting him. Yeah. And you're like, no, he had a partner. We know he had a partner. And it, it's such a big push towards the idea that they are trying to trap him. And it's not like a beautiful mind. I won't say who is not real in that movie, but like mm. there's definitely like a thing that's like, oh yeah, of course that character isn't real. Um, same with Fight Club. You can go yeah. back and have a look. I'm like, no, like other patients interacted with him. He's definitely not a hallucination. Mm. And Chuck is like the one thing Teddy holds on to at the very end where he's the doctor is trying to like you're andrew you're andrew latest you killed your wife you're a patient he's like what about my partner what about my partner and the final nail in the coffin is chuck walking in and being like i'm dr sheen i've been your doctor for two years yeah because like he goes to the lighthouse to rescue him yeah he could have left the island he's like no i'm gonna risk everything because i care about my partner who doesn't exist another little clue that i love is when they ask about talking to dr sheen they say no he was on the ferry this morning and i was like he was but he was not who you thought he was (laughs) i love watching this through the second time and all the dialogue takes on a completely Mm -hmm. different meaning the performances take on a different meaning i was saying before when i watched this technically for the second time i hadn't seen it for quite a few years i was like this is very acty this is very performative. I don't know if I like it. And on the third rewatch, I was like, oh, right, because they're all performing. Yeah, they are all acting. Yeah, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. And I liked it a lot more because I'm yeah. like, yes, even like um, Leonardo DiCaprio's performance. Like he did used to be a marshal, but Teddy is so clearly like a character. He's a caricature of yeah. the marshal. Yeah, um, he's the legend. He's the one who pulls his authority all the time. Like the great detective takes no shit and um i was like i'm not really buying mark ruffalo's performance like i swear he's better than this <laughs> and then again i realized i'm like oh, of course because he's a doctor not an actor yeah he's an actor playing a doctor who's acting as a new s marshal because <laughs> uh, that's not confusing at all nope <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things i also had down for like what makes a good twist is you should essentially get two movies for the price of one And this comes from having an unreliable narrator. Very difficult to do an unreliable narrator without feeling like you're lying or cheating your audience. Mm. Uh, So what I really like about this one is because Teddy slash Andrew is insane, he can't lie to us because he's lying to himself. But we don't know that. So we never feel like our protagonist is lying to us. And there's a shot in the beginning that puts the camera inside the mirror, which immediately aligns us with Teddy. We're used to like being with this kind of character. Mm-hmm. It's played by Leonardo DiCaprio, who is like, so we known, just like him anyway. Yeah, for being like a charming leading man. And we identify him in his perspective. There's no scenes in the movie that are outside of his perspective. Mm. I also had like, we kind of want the Nazi thing to be real because it's a thriller. It's a, yeah, it's a fun mystery. Imagine uncovering that as the crux of your story. That's super fun. That's Yeah, I'm like, yes, we want that to happen. And then at the end, we're like, okay, we get to have that delusion shattered with Teddy. Mm. We're there with him. 
we feel the pain. We feel the pain of Chuck coming through the door and being like, I'm actually Dr. Sheen. I'm not really a friend. Yeah. And then on the second watch through, I actually felt more like I was in the doctor's shoes watching this medical patient run around. Yeah. And you're actually, you're waiting for Teddy to crack and for Andrew to come out. Almost you're aware of the doctors when they need to interject with, you know, certain lines of dialogue or certain kind of pushes to a particular direction so that they can help to try and crack that facade that he's set up. Yeah. And like I said, all the dialogue takes on such a different meaning. Mm -hmm. There are little looks, especially between like Dr. Sheen and like the other doctor and they keep Mm -hmm. looking at each other like, oh yeah, you guys are like in on this. Yeah. Even some of the weird dialogue between like the warden and Teddy when they like have their drive back about both of them being violent men. warden is an anagram of Andrew. Yes. Mm. But there's all these little things that you're just like, oh, that was a bit strange. There's one in the background. It's actually during the time of the you never had a partner Mm. um, conversation where the woman from the interview is like pointing at Andrew and being like, I don't like this. I don't know what to say. She's getting really, really distressed. Mm. So it's just a little background detail. I'm like, oh, because she's like, that's a mental patient and I'm getting really distressed that he's in the room with me right now. Yeah. So basically we get this big twist. We finally get the extended flashback of what actually happened with Teddy's wife. Yeah. By the way, I've seen a lot of movies where the character yells no at the sky, (laughs) but it works in this one. For once. For once. I do kind of clock it as like, it's still like a no. (laughs) It's extremely tragic. And Mm. that brings us into the ending of the film, which is not the twist. We get a little bit more. Yeah, you really you can't end at the twist because you haven't resolved anything. You've just given us the truth and you still need to resolve that truth. You need to resolve how the characters react to that truth. You need to do that because you need to satisfy your audience. You know, not too much. This movie does a really good job of leaving some questions unanswered and sort of little things where you're like, oh, but... Maybe it was, and this is why people have so many theories on the ending and on the actual, like, what happened throughout. It leaves us with something to ponder even afterwards. But the stakes of this really are around Teddy's sanity uh, and his freedom, and the twist doesn't change those stakes. The film still is about his sanity and his freedom, but he has to realise those things as Andrew and in, as we interpret the ending, he chooses to undergo the lobotomy rather than to keep living this delusion. And so he makes that choice for himself with the information that he gets. Yeah, better to event. die as a good man than live as a monster. Yeah. A couple of notes on how to make sure your ending, your twists are satisfying. A good twist shouldn't waste the movie that came before. I've seen a couple of pretty bad movies that have led us on this whole journey and then they've done this twist and then you're like, but that means nothing I've just seen matters because nothing I've seen actually relates to it or maybe a couple of the scenes did, but the majority of the movie didn't matter in context of the twist. And so, yeah, you really have to make sure you're using everything that you've set up beforehand. Otherwise, the audience is going to be left wondering why they bothered. Like a good twist makes you want to go back and rewatch the movie. Mm. Maybe like almost instantly because you want to pick it up. So I had down as like some examples of like good versus bad twists. Um, So I had The Sixth Sense versus The Village. So these are both M. Night Shyamalan films. The Sixth Sense. I don't want to. Famously. I'm not going to say what the twist is. 
I was really lucky to get to watch this, not mm-hmm. knowing the twist, so I'm not going to say what it is. But essentially, like it, like you said, it recontextualizes the movie and makes you want to go back and rewatch it with a new lens. lens. Yeah. The Village. I feel like I can spoil this one because it's not a good movie and I wouldn't recommend it. Um, big twist is like it's not some, I don't want to say medieval, that's not quite right, but like some old-fashioned community. It's like a survivor's group in the modern world who went and like hid in a forest to raise their children in peace. And it ends with like the main character coming into the real world, but she's blind, so she can't see it. Yeah. That doesn't make the rest of the movie better. And it didn't make me want to go back and rewatch The Village. Made you wish that you hadn't watched The Village. A little bit. And I was like, okay, it surprised me, sure. But it didn't make the rest of the movie better. Mm. And for another like side-by-side comparison, Planet of the Apes original versus Planet of the Apes. Tim Burton style. But again, spoilers for Planet of the Apes, but I feel like this is a very famous one. Basically, Charlton Heston's character thinks he's on an alien planet, and then at the end he sees the Statue of Liberty and realizes he's been on Earth the entire time. He goes, damn you all to hell at the sky. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Versus the Burton version where Mark Wahlberg crash lands in front of the Lincoln Memorial, but it's not human Lincoln, it's chimp Lincoln. Chimpkin. Chimpkin. <laughs> and you just see it and you're like does this make sense the answer is no so those are the like two comparisons i had of like a good twist that like you said doesn't waste the movie before it mm. gives you kind of like that second viewing experience and the well I that th- was dumb yeah. <laughs> reaction i think um going back to the top five list get out mm. is a sp- especially good for this like i went back and watched it a couple of days after i watched it the first time and just all the performances of everyone who isn't the main character you're like oh this is totally here like the dialogue takes on brand new meaning another really great example of that point of yeah, like using the whole movie um i'll say the household stuff yes <laughs> yeah their performances so good because <sighs> they're so creepy the first time mm. around and they're creepy the second time around for different reasons yes or in oh. the beginning, just like that car scene where he gets yeah. pulled over takes on a whole new context. Mm-hmm. Uh, seriously, go watch Get Out. I think I've said this on an earlier podcast, but it's as close to a perfect screenplay as you can get. Yeah. It's so good. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so we both said in the beginning, we've kind of landed on, he is a mental patient. He is Andrew. He chooses to have a lobotomy. There are theories that just prove this. I think for me... I like this ending because I feel like it's what the film is trying to say thematically. Because mm. it's like a big twist and that's always fun. But again, we're just talking about get out. Your twist should also support your theme. Yeah. I'm big on theme. I think everything should support your theme. Yeah. Game of Thrones didn't care about theme and look where they ended up. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so one of the biggest ongoing symbolism on, in this movie is the symbolism of fire versus water. Mm. So fire represents uh, Andrew. And the lie that sort of Teddy has constructed about his past, his family dying in a fire, and water represents the truth and the fact that they had drowned and that he shot his wife. And so whenever you see those elements, they end up playing into his headspace and what's sort of being uncovered thematically in the scene. Yeah. um, So, for example, when he's in Ward C, and he's questioning George Noyce. He keeps striking matches. <laughs> Before I knew about this fire water thing, I was just watching that, just being like, 
That's a pretty ineffectual way to get liked. I had the same thought. I was like, <laughs> this is so dumb. Like, you're not like, going to see anything. But then I was like, oh, it's symbolic. Okay. Yeah. Because um, he, he's trying to lie to himself. And George is like, you did this to me. Mm. He's got like this horrific injury. And he's like, you did this. Like, I'm here because of you. He's like, no, no, I'd never do that. I'm Teddy. I'm a hero. I'm going to get you out. And he keeps lighting matches. And there's a point where George even says at one point, your match is going out because mm. his reality is starting to crumble. Yeah, uh, it's very intentional, the fact that this whole thing took place with the hurricane as the backdrop mm. and water just crashing over Teddy um, and sort of the truth being just forced upon him and thrust upon him. Yeah, he's in like a fantasy, not a fantasy, like a dream um, of his wife dying and she's burning mm. and there's ashes raining everywhere and he gets woken she up. She Infinity Wars. She Infinity Wars, yeah, I thought about that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he wakes up because the roof is leaking yeah. and water is literally waking him up. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff about that. He blows up the car Yeah. because um, he's still very, like, at that point, I'm Teddy, I'm going to go rescue my partner. Which Chuck is mindset. interesting um, because Andrew Latis is meant to be, like, an arsonist and this is him committing arson. Like, yeah. oh, he suddenly just really quickly knows how to, like, set a car on fire and blow it up. Yeah. The One of the big ones that people think is... Uh, continuity mistake and I rewound like 10 seconds I was like that, did that just happen but he's um, when he's interviewing the woman and she picks up the cup of water to drink and the cup of water isn't in her hand when we're looking from Teddy's perspective but when we go to the other perspective it's there and she's drunk it all and puts the empty cup back on the table and you're like wait what that's but it's him blocking out the water which is the sort of true situation so he's actively rejecting anything that would be that yeah and then at the end of the movie where he has to like go to the lighthouse to confront his truth he literally has to dive into the water and submerge himself to swim Mm. there uh, which is like foreshadowing that he is about to fully embrace reality Mm. over his fantasy yeah the scene with rachel as well Oh yeah of course there's fire the obviously around a campfire and he's hiding away from the hurricane and the water all around him with this small fire and there's fire in every single shot of that scene and it's sort of the climax of all these lies Mm. like it's the point where we get the most concrete version of his teddy persona and ideas in terms of like him being trapped on this island and them trying to drug him and keep Mm. him there i really like that because i think that's the closest the movie kind of gets to cheating because mm. that character's not real and he's hallucinating it. But I think they get away with it because the fire is there. Yeah. I think if that wasn't there and it's just like, oh, he had this encounter with a woman, it didn't happen. It's not cheating. I just think that's as close as it gets to cheating. Yeah. Do you want to unpack when you say cheating? Because you've said this a oh, few yeah. times and I think it'd be worth unpacking just what you mean by that. Sure. Um, the term cheating... I actually more associate with crime writing. So one of the first writers ever to be like, I'm just not going to cheat anymore, was Arthur Conan Doyle. And that is why Sherlock Holmes became like super popular because not all crime fiction, but a lot of it, there would be this piece of information that the audience didn't know or like this clue the detective randomly found. And Conan Doyle went, nope, the audience is going to have all the information that Sherlock Holmes does. Just Sherlock sees it in a different way. So when I say cheating, that's pulling out something the audience didn't know and being like, oh, haha, you didn't get it. Hmm. So with a film like Shutter Island, at no point is there anything that doesn't make sense to the end twist. Uh, there's nothing irrelevant. We are never outrightly lied to. 
we have all the information that Teddy slash Andrew yeah. should have. There's no scenes without him. Yeah. And when you watch it through, everything lines up to the twist. So that's what I mean by cheating. And that's what I mean by like lying to your audience. Even mm. when you have an unreliable narrator, it's hard to do. Yeah. I think a movie that actually does this is Joker. At the end, I guess spoilers from the end of Joker. It's not really a twist. But basically they kind of cut to Arthur in a mental facility. And the idea of behind that is maybe this didn't happen or maybe he made stuff up because he's insane. He's just telling a story. And for me, that was ultimate cheating. Because mm, all of a sudden, you don't know what's real about the movie. You no, just watch right. no, anything could be, anything couldn't be. There's nothing to guarantee the thematic resolution of your story. Yeah. So that's what I mean by cheating. Did that okay. answer that question? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. So why don't we move into our takeaways? I think the idea of cheating actually moves into probably my first big takeaway. And that is that instead of hiding information from your audience, disguise it as something else. So obviously, as you were saying with cheating, you know, there's writing where one piece of information doesn't get given to us. And that's the piece that's needed to actually put together what's happening in this movie, rather than hiding pieces from us, they just tell us those pieces are to do with the Nazis or with uh, him being brought in and trapped on the island, rather than the truth that he is actually Andrew. I think my other like real practical note on how to do this uh, is just if you are going to write for this or even if you're going to direct for this, plan ahead and work towards an ending. Make sure you're keeping in mind how you want your audience to feel throughout. This isn't a genre that I think you can really write sort of without a solid grasp on how you're going to end because you need to set up clues. You need to be able to throw people off and that takes some planning. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> Which sucks for writing sometimes, because sometimes you just need to get out and, and write You're always things. worried that someone's going to pick the twist, but you yeah. also don't want it to be too hard. Mm. Yeah, I had... You should be able to sum up your twist in one sentence. Yeah. Um, so one of the most famous ones of all time, Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Yeah. Harry Potter, we talked a few about a few of them, but for example, it wasn't Sirius Black that portrayed the Potters, it was Peter Pettigrew. Mm. And for this one, it's the detective is the missing patient he's looking for. Yeah. You can say it in one line, going back to that stupid Fantastic Beasts one. <laughs> Again, 10-minute flashback scene. That's not a good twist. Um, I also had there's no opportunity too small. I think if you're, again, if you're trying to write one of these, this is definitely things you can drop on in a later draft. Things like there are guards behind Teddy and the woman, or a nurse has a needle that isn't meant for the patient. But like little lines, there's so many little hints, and I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Again, don't worry about it on the first draft. Just get your beats out when you go back. And... There's stuff like that in the editing and the production design too. Mm. Oh, I bet you a bunch of those decisions were made when they got to pre-production and they went, how do we show this? And I think part of the process of filmmaking is you tell your crew, you know, your creative leads, your cinematographer, your production designer, you're like, here's the script. Here's the truth of the thing. Now we're hiding that in plain sight. Yeah, and then just making sure that your movie is as good on a second watch as it isn't on first but it should also feel like a different movie. Yeah. That's incredibly hard to do. Shutter Island does it perfectly. You should be able to watch that again and just have a completely different experience that is just as good as the first. Yeah. And again, we're not saying this like this is easy to do. This is it so is difficult. It's not easy to do. <laughs> um, but hopefully some of these principles will help you in your own writing as you move towards that. I almost wish this episode had a twist. Yeah. <laughs> That's the twist. There is no twist. 
<laughs> is that a twist? According to M. Night Shyamalan, it is. We'll modulate your voice to be my voice and my voice to be your voice. I'm secretly... It the... doesn't exist. It's just me. I'm just really good at voices. I'm terrible at voices. <laughs> if anything, you would be both of us. <laughs> I don't think I can do that good of a Kiwi accent. Mm. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, until next time, this has been Kill the Cat. Thanks for listening to this episode of Kill the Cat. Hopefully we pointed out something new to you. If you like the podcast and want to help support us, you can subscribe on whatever platform you're on, follow us on social media, or leave us a review on your podcasting app. Thanks again to Sam and Lizzie from the Do You Reckon We Can Meet Leo podcast for having us on their show. I'll leave you with a trailer for the episode and a link in the show notes. Until next time. Leo! Um... But even and going into this Christopher Nolan podcast that we've now created, but with um, with 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 Memento, Christopher Nolan, yeah, yeah. oh, he's up there. Um, he is. But that's I'm using Leonardo DiCaprio to get to Nolan, so don't worry. Yeah. Um, yeah. But with Memento, um, that whole similar to Shutter Island, like the second you start, the way that that um narrative works and that character works the way the storytelling it's like you're part of you know the character you're part of Leonard Shelby like you're um you're seeing things from his perspective you're not being lied to or anything Mm -hmm. you're seeing it from his point of view and the way that it works in the plot structure every time it's like you're experiencing it as as him which is quite cool so I guess that also relates back to um Shutter Island as well like you're in the delusion from the start Nice bringing it back. That's very subtle. Thanks. (laughs) I thought there were some similarities between Leonardo DiCaprio's performance in other things. Like, even in Inception, that whole, like, dynamic with his wife, is she alive, isn't Mm. she? That's Mm. very Inception. Mm. That's sort of, like, that Um, broodiness as well. Pardon? The dead wife trope. The dead wife trope. Is it a real trope? (laughs) Don't marry the protagonist of an action or a thriller movie, ever. Yeah, no please, don't do it. <laughs> no. I'll try not to, but you know. You'll you'll have some red flag. Yeah, don't go near that. You'll you'll have some really happy uh, scenes at the beginning of the film, yeah. not in the middle or the end of the film. And either you'll be gruesomely murdered or you'll die of movie cancer. Those are your two yeah. options. Cancer. Yeah. That's the worst kind of cancer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of cancer she got? Movie, Movie. cancer. <laughs> Movie. <laughs> Leo. Leo.